Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is brought to you by ROI Online. ROI Online offers content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, web and mobile design, and more for businesses of all sizes. As your business development partner and marketing agency, they help you tell your story. Learn more at ROIOnline.com. Today's guest is Lenitra Berenger. Lenitra is the co-founder and executive director of the College Success Initiative. Now, this is a local mentoring and college prep organization that grew out of an annual university bus tour for economically disadvantaged students in Amarillo. And recently, Lenitra has rolled that organization into a larger nonprofit called the Youth Success Project. She is passionate about strengthening the local community by promoting higher education. And with another college tour coming up, this next one is to Washington, D.C., I wanted to talk to her about what she does, about where that passion comes from, and about why it's so important for students to see themselves pursuing an education after high school. So here's Lenitra Berenger. Lenitra Berenger, thank you for being on Hey Amarillo. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. I appreciate it. I have a lot of things I'd like to talk to you about. Uh, I know you've been involved in a bunch of different community organizations, including uh, the College Success Initiative, and, and there's a, a lot happening with that. But before we get to those things, I, I just want to talk about sort of how you ended up in the area. Tell me your story. What brought you to Amarillo? I was in the sixth grade back in the 1980s, and my mother got married. And so we had to be uprooted from Greenville, Texas, and I started sixth grade at Hamlet Elementary. That's when sixth grade was still in elementary school. Where is Greenville, Texas? It is about an hour and a half from Dallas. Do you remember anything about that move, you know, coming to a new place, what that was like? I mean, were you happy about it? Were you upset about it? How was that as a kid? Very upset. We had grown up in Greenville. Our family was there. And so moving to a new place we had never heard about. My aunt lived in Slayton, and so we'd come in the summers to Slayton. And I just remember no trees and a lot of dust and wind. You came here in sixth grade. Did, does Greenville feel like home to you, or does Amarillo feel like home? Uh, Amarillo's home. Most of the time when people ask where I'm from, I just say Amarillo. Uh, this is home for me. So tell me about uh, going to school here, college, that sort of stuff as you grew up. What, what path did you take? I went to Paladora High School, so I always bleed blue. I'm a Don. And I did start out at w, WT West Texas a University. It was just West Texas University then. I did about a year and a half. Uh, it was really hard. I came back to Amarillo and worked and just got tired of working and substitute teaching and knew I needed an education to get further. So I enrolled in Amarillo College and got my associate's degree, general studies, elementary education. And it took me about 10 years to get my bachelor's degree. And finally, in 2004, I decided some hell or high water I was going to do what it had to do to not work at minimum wage. And I went back to West Texas and got my bachelor's degree in general studies. And so homegrown colleges, both in the area, really good education, lots of experience. Before you got involved in the nonprofit side, what did you do as a career? Uh, my passion has always been youth. So I worked in child care. I substitute taught for several years. Uh, that really helped me get into college and get a scholarship. I did some ISS teaching at Sam Houston. And so I've always worked in the community. I worked years ago at the Emerald United Citizens Forum under the YES 79107 program. Uh, that's just been my passion and what I've done the whole time. 
Why has it been a passion to get involved in the community? There, there are a lot of different paths you could take. You could go toward corporate side or business or something like that. Why have you been drawn toward you know this side of things? I have been in the corporate world. I've been a probation officer. I call myself a jack of all trades. I've been a sixth grade science teacher at Travis, and I've also worked at Pantex. And so when I had the opportunity to leave the corporate world and to come back in the community, I've always loved to help others and give back. And so that's been a desire. It's a lot flexible when you're in a nonprofit and you're the boss to be able to make your schedule, to spend time with your family, and to still meet the needs of your community. And so that's something that really works for my family and our schedule, and it just works for me to be able to do what I love to do. Tell me about teaching at Travis. Um, I'm always fascinated talking to people. Number one, I, I think to teach, you know, when you you get to kids who are around sixth grade, middle school, that's it's a really unique time in a kid's life. You know, they're going through stuff. As a parent, parents know about that. Um, and Travis, you know, it may not have been that way when you're there, but it's increasingly diverse with refugees, with people coming from other countries. I mean, what was it like teaching in that sort of environment? Uh, Travis was my first year to teach, and Dana West, Dr. Dana West, was my principal. That was her first year. Now the uh, AISD superintendent. superintendent. And that was her first year, and so it was different for everyone. You had different feels about things. Uh, you had just a total new mindset. She changed it up. And so with that, we did have a lot of diversity. Students were coming in. I had quite a few Burmese in my class, mm -hmm. quite a few Somalians. So it was really different, and it was a struggle to see students that were in the sixth grade and had an issue with math or had an issue with a language barrier and being able to try to teach. And you're teaching formulas and you're teaching scientific methods, and they had no understanding of the language. So it was a very hard time, but I loved working with the children. Uh, I really loved teaching I ended up having a daughter that year that was premature and so had a lot of health issues herself and myself. So I didn't go back and teach the next year. Tell me about working at Pantex. Is there anything is there anything you can talk about the the job that, or the work that you did there? I love Pantex. A lot of people love it because of the money. Uh, I love the people. Uh, my husband worked there for 10 years and got sick with a lung disease and almost died. And so I was truly blessed to be to be given a job there so we could keep our medical benefits. And I just love the environment. People really love to go to work when I worked at Pentex. I didn't run into a lot of grumpy people like, why am I here? It was like, hey, we're here. We're here to take care of our families. We're here to make money. And it was just like a big family. So some people didn't like it, but I really loved my experience in working at Pentex. How is your husband now? Uh, my husband's great now. Uh, he's a disabled vet. He's home, but he's in great health, and he's a great help to allow me to be able to do what I do in the community and he take care of our daughter. Was was there ever a, a time when, you know, whether you were going to school, when you were sort of getting started in your career, that, that you thought about leaving Amarillo? I mean, did you ever want to go back to family and further south in Texas or, or somewhere else? Uh, numerous times, uh, up until last year, probably okay. even a few months ago. Uh, my sister still lives in the Dallas area. I have brothers in the Dallas area, and so I really do miss family. My mom does live here, and so that's probably the main reason that we do stay, in addition to the nonprofit work. My husband's not from this area at all. He's from West Virginia, and his family all lives in Ohio. And so it's really hard for him to be able to move and say, okay, I'm staying in a place I don't want to be. But it, I know it's best for our daughter. I think Amarillo is the best town to ever raise a family and have your children go to school because you don't have to worry about a lot of the things because everyone knows everybody. 
you know the area, you know the people, and they're real good about letting you know about your children. And so I really love that about Amarillo. If it were not for the community work I do, I probably would move. But I'm so vested in my passion and love for what I do for the community and our youth that I just don't want to be anywhere else. How did you meet your husband? How did he end up here from West Virginia? He moved here to work at Pantex after the military. He served from 18 on up until he was probably in his 30s. He was military. And so it was Pantex. Yes, and so it was Pantex. His brother worked at Pantex and got him a job as a guard, and he was there for 10 years. So no one's here now but him. It's a little different, uh, but he's really supportive of letting me decide where we live at, which really makes it easy for me. Uh, I want to talk about College Success Initiative, Um, and I know a lot of people may not recognize it by that name uh, because there's been some branding changes in the last year or two, Uh, but it started as a bus tour taking students from schools like Paladuro and and introducing them to, well, from schools all over the the city, actually, but introducing them to college campuses. Um, So tell me a little bit about how that started and how you got involved with it. I'm a member of St. John Baptist Church, where Pastor Anthony B. Harris is our senior pastor. and Former guest on this podcast. Yes, yes. He's like my second dad, so I call him Pops. And so he came to me, and we became the first. St. John Baptist Church was the first No Excuses University church in the nation. And when he decided to work with Doug Curry and Damon Lopez to transition our church to focus on education, he asked me to head up that. And so while being the coordinator, uh, Pastor Harris is a visionary. And he always comes up with these great ideas he wants everybody else to do. And so in that, he said, I need you to do a bus tour with the kids. During spring break, they need to see different colleges, different things. They need to get out of Amarillo, and they need to experience things. And in experiencing that, he didn't want it at a just take them to a Motel 6, let them stay here, and just run on the campus and come back. He wanted everything done in excellence. And then so in that, we've always stayed at Hilton's. We've always stayed at the NBC Suites. The students are able to stop at Starbucks and get coffee. They're able to eat at four- and five-star restaurants. And so that really opens their mindset to when I get an education, I can do anything I want to do. So we did that for two years, and we had just a spring break college bus tours with community teachers and individuals within the community that were so gracious to be chaperones. So the first tour was 28 students. The second one was 32 each year. We did five colleges. Uh, so far, we've been to over 13 colleges. What are some the of the colleges you've been to? Uh, we've been to SMU, Southern Methodist University. We've been to University of North Texas. We've been to the University of Houston. We've been to Oklahoma State University, Oklahoma University. We've done some two-year colleges such as Rose State College and OSU in Oklahoma as well. We've been to Wiley College. There are just so many that Half the time I have to tell the team, okay, where have we been that I forgot? We've gone to WT. We've gone to Wayland Baptist University. Uh, the kids love going to Tech. Uh, Dr. Frazier, Paul Frazier there, always takes them to the cookie place insomnia. So they <laughs> really love that extra treat. Uh, we've been to quite a few. And so it just gets to where we want them to experience college in a different way, not just to walk on campus and come home, but to get to spend the night, see the area, really interact with some students, do some homecoming events. We've done some tailgating at WTN Tech. And so let them get a real feel of what college life is all about. So that's how I got roped into it. Uh, The first two years, it was pretty easy. The church funded. We had a lot of community support to back that as well. And it just outgrew. And we knew that we needed to make a larger impact. Chaperones and myself got together and decided we've got to do more. There were opportunities we didn't have when we went to college. And so we all ended up with student loan debt. 
which is great. And then you see students now with the opportunity to get a college education without student loan debt because of the ACE program and so forth. And so we wanted them to have those same opportunities that we weren't afforded to. Tell me about the students, why it's important for you know students from from Paladuro or from Caprock to get that opportunity to actually be on campus somewhere? I mean, why is, is this so helpful for them? The majority of our students are first-generation students, and so myself, I was a first-generation student in college. So you don't know things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have family members that have been to college and understand that process and walk you through it. My family was driven on everyone worked, so you can get a full-time job and go to work like we do, and you can make good money. Like and right out of high school? Right out of high school. Uh, at the time, I think five, six family members worked at Affiliated Foods, so it was a push to just get a job at Affiliated. Families are supportive of what you're doing, but when they don't understand the process, we don't always see it as support. And so that was a learning process that a lot of the team members and volunteers knew as first generation that it was a struggle for us. And we discussed our struggles and decided that we need to come up with a way that we could help our students. So the majority of our students are first-generation college students. We have students not just from Palo Duro, but we get them from all four high schools, including Randall and River Road. And so in that, we want to make sure that any student, whether they're from the north side, east side, south side, Amarillo Canyon, Hereford, or wherever, that if you're in need of someone helping you walk through that process, that that's what we're here for. And so we wanted to really come out, and that's how College Success Initiative grew. We didn't want it to be a black tour. We didn't want it to be a minority tour. We want it to be a youth tour. How can we educate our youth? Because when we go into America, it's not about your race, but it's about what do you have to offer this company? What kind of career are you wanting to get in? And so we wanted them to be able to have a leveling field and playground to have the same opportunities that other students whose parents have been to college give them, we wanted to step in and be able to do the same for them. Like you have a lot of students who get to their junior or senior year in high school, and it's just sort of automatic. Their parents are taking them on college tours or taking them to the place that they went to the university, and they don't really think about it. But then you have other kids who have never been to college, and there's just not that familiarity. It's just not as expected. And so uh, for a lot of these kids, this is the first time they've been on a college campus at all. Yes. What kinds of stories uh, do you have, you know, whether you want to name names or anything like that, but, but tell me about some of the students who have discovered you know, a path on one of these tours. Uh, we have one student in particular. I love her, and I won't name her name, but I'm so proud of her. 4.0 student at Tascosa last year, and she said, I can go to any college I'd like to go to. But I come from a large family. Uh, my parents have quite a few children, and it's a struggle. They're a two-parent family, but it's a struggle when you're raising children, and it, it costs. Uh, things are just expensive, and it costs to think about how can they take care of home and take care of me going to college. And so we talked to her, and I said, are you sure? And she said, if I go to college, I can get there, but how am I going to be able to maintain and take care of things and eat and so forth? And so her path was the Air Force. And so she's in the Air Force, but she's going to college now for free. Okay. And so we don't only promote at college as far as a four-year degree, we promote two-year vocational through Amarillo College, and we promote the military as well. So it's anything post-secondary Anything school. post-secondary that gets them to success, academic success, success in their lives, then that's what we promote. I want to talk about you know the how the, the bus tour has sort of transformed into the College Success Initiative, because I know at this point, actually getting on a bus and going to colleges is sort of the culmination of a lot of different things that are happening for some of these kids. So tell me tell me about the process. Tell me about how they get involved, you know, even as 7th or 8th graders before this. 
what we've done is the last two years, we've really expanded our programming. And last October, we became our own nonprofit. We were under Nehemiah Project with Pastor Harris. Uh, Which is, is associated still, still with, with the church John, at that Because time. when people see Pastor Anthony B. Harris, they see St. John Baptist Church. We don't want it to be a church thing. We didn't want it to be a Northside thing. We want it to be a community thing. And so when we created Youth Success Project, we began to house College Success Initiative as one of our programs. It's still our main program, but it's one of four programs under Youth Success Project. That makes it to where we're able to say that, hey, we're not affiliated with the church. We're not affiliated with just a certain side of town, but we're affiliated with promoting education for all youth. And then we get more people involved. And we're able to get more donations and things because people assume when it's under a church, the church can take care of it. Mm -hmm. But when you're spending out $30,000 just for a bus tour, that becomes a large expense to a church. And so it was really a hard decision to make. We've been just thinking about it for about two years. I, I really didn't want to step out without Pastor really being okay with that. And so he's been totally on board to say, hey, this was just a vision. I gave you the vision. You run with it. And this is something that helps kids. And so... He was really okay with that. We stepped out. Now we have a board of five individuals. Adrian Meander at Emerald National Bank is the vice president. I've got a gentleman from Pantex, Jamel Gray, Department of Energy. He's our financial treasurer. And then Matt Reed, who is an Air Forceman and also a nurse flight aviation, is on our board, as well as Trina Frost, who's the administration at St. John Baptist Church. So we kept it small. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to make sure it was impact, and everyone on the board is a working board member. And so in that college success initiative is still our main project. We work from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade. And in that, we offer free monthly college prep. At every college prep session, we also have a full course meal. And so last month, Paramount Baptist Church, one of their Sunday school classes came out and cooked for the students. We always ask people to uh, donate a meal or come out and you can use the facility, cook the meal, bring it to them. We really want to get the community involved. And so you'll see a lot of things on our Facebook page which we still promoted on College Success Initiative, a ways to get involved. We're just going to begin to start in the next few months. You'll see a lot of different things going on and ways to just get the community involved in what we're doing so it's not just giving money, but mm -hmm. being able to see what's going on and being able to change lives. How many kids are involved at this point? Uh, we have over 125 on our roster. but on, on a monthly basis, we have at least 50 to 60 that attend. And so we're looking to expand that over the summer. Uh, next fall, we will start college prep in the River Road area. Okay. And so we're really going to look at expanding it. to. A lot of times River Road gets looked over because as River Road, they think it's a rich district. They can take care of them. But their students are struggling as well. And so we don't want to miss out of anyone in the Air Marilla area. And so I've spoken with uh, the district. We'll get that started in the fall. And the good thing about that is they're not having to track downtown. We're able to take college prep to them. And so we're just looking at ways that we can just be a blessing and help our community and our students overall. What kinds of requirements uh, do you have for the students? You know, because going on the yes. actual bus tour, there's a lot of expenses. You know, yes. they're staying in hotels, there's a transportation. So what do you require of them? How do they sort of earn their place on, on that sort of trip? Uh, the biggest thing that I, we just require them because there's not a fee to join the program. We require that our students are active and come into college prep. They're active in our community service. We do community service as a group once a month. And uh, this year, the students chose to do Snack Pack every month. They love Snack Pack. They love giving back to their students at their school and their friends. And so every month we do Snack Pack as our community service project. And in that, students are able to say, hey, I participated. I'm a part of this. I do ask them, like, we're going to Washington, D.C. June 18th through the 23rd of this year. 
And so we're taking juniors and seniors, 15 of them on that trip. Uh, the trip cost over $30,000 because, as you know, Washington, D.C. is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things take place. I've asked each student to raise $1,500. Okay, so they're as raising you, part of their own. Yes, family. but as you know, a lot of the students come from single-parent families. Parents are living paycheck to paycheck. They're getting ready for college. And so I have a few that are saying, hey, I just can't afford it. And so that's where I step in, and I'm able to say, hey, let's work on getting some sponsorships. Uh, we were blessed last week to get an anonymous donation, a match grant for $10,000. And so up until May 1st, we're having a 10 for 20 campaign uh, for 1500 for one student. If you match that at 1500 you help two students go on a trip. And so our goal is to raise $10,000 within the next week. So anyone can donate. Anyone can go to our Facebook page and message me. Anyone can give me a call here at California Community Engagement Center. We're just really trying to make sure that our students are given the same opportunities. And we've been so gracious with Matt Thornberry and Adrian Meander that our students will also be able to tour the White House. Wow. So they're not just going to go and be able to see different museums and visit colleges, but they'll get a full-fledged tour of the White House. And so I think that's an experience of a lifetime that children with them ruling within our community don't always receive. And so it's about making a difference and letting them say that this is something that I can do. A kid from the little dirt road, one-bedroom house around the corner that I can go to the White House and I can tour that and say that this is something that most children don't have the opportunity to. So we're just about leading by example and changing lives within our community. What kinds of colleges and universities will you be visiting in Washington? Uh, Howard University is one that we've had a lot of people. We always it's a real high-profile, sure, historically yes. black college. And there. we really uh, make sure that we always visit a historically black college. A lot of our students have shown interest in Howard University and so we want them to get that experience of this is Howard University. Uh, they don't see a lot of HBCUs outside of Texas, so we thought this was a great time. And this will probably be our last largest college bus tour. We're switching to educational experiences where we're having students uh, do some one-on-one, go to engineering camps, go to math camps in the summer. We have a student this summer going to Southern University in Louisiana to a summer band camp. And so we're wanting them to get more hands-on week-long times on college campuses. So we're going to make different educational experience trips that are much smaller, but I really want our children to experience this White House tour and to experience Washington, D.C. at its finest. Can you talk a little bit for, um, you know, for listeners who may not realize the role that historically black colleges like Howard play, you know, within the community, um, you know, of, of black professionals? You know, talk about why it's it's important for kids from you know within that community to to be able to go to a place like that? We've had that discussion several times at our team mem- meetings uh, under Youth Success Project. The more, majority of my team members are not from Amarillo; uh, they're black professionals, and they've attended uh, historically black colleges. And so, in that, I'm from Amarillo. I'm from ACNWT, and so things are different. We went to college. We went to class. We had on sweats and a t-shirt. You roughed your hair up pulling the ponytail, whatever, you just kind of drug. They were in a different environment where they were dressed up. They were taught that certain days of the week you dress up professionally, you put your makeup on, your clothing, your suit, your tie, and you go to class, you go to chapel. They had a more individual feel. And so even in our meetings and amping it up with me telling my team we got to be more professional, I can see the divide in our team members of how we dress, even on a day-to-day basis when we're out and about together. And so that was something that I really took notice to, that at historically black colleges, they get more one-on-one time. They get more of, I see someone like me who understands my struggle and who's been there and who succeeded past the struggle and who can help me and I can relate to better. 
I didn't have anyone at WTNAC that I could relate to. And so I just went along with, hey, let me do the best that I can. But when someone who's walked in your shoes can really relate and then support you and help you, I think that really makes the difference. And I've seen it within my team members, and I knew that that was something that we really needed, our students. So we tell them all the time, start at Emerald College, great price, great education, great people. But when you finish your two years and you think, I really don't want to be in Amarillo, I really want to go to a historically black college, then we've shown them enough of them that they're able to say, hey, this is one that I want to go to. And I have a student now at Prairie View A&M University, and she's excelling at a 4.0. Uh, just to see the growth with, within her in the last two years is awesome. Uh, she's developed from this small town Amarillo girl who was really shy and timid to this bold and beautiful and educated black woman. It's such such an eye-opener for me that I want that for all of our students. The, the impact of going from a place where you are are always in the minority and yes. ending up at a place where you're a majority and everybody is is just like you, that that has a real self-esteem sort of draw, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it, it's just empowering. It, it empowers. I see the empowerment with our within our students at HBCUs to say, hey, I can accomplish anything. I've got a support system behind me. And I don't have anything standing in my way. And so that's what I want each and every one of our students to see is that in any situation, if you choose to go to an HBCU, there's just a different level of empowerment that they'll receive that they won't receive anywhere else. So on this trip to Washington, D.C. that's coming up, is it still is it still a bus tour or will you fly there? We are flying. OK, yes. you're not going to make a 20 uh, hour bus <laughs> no, ride. I do not want to spend a week and a half on a bus with 15 students. And so we will fly. We'll fly to Amarillo. It'll be a five-day trip, and so that'll just be best. My team members are great volunteers. I don't call my volunteers volunteers. We're a team, and so my team members take off of their jobs. They lose their pay if they don't have their time built up, and they commit their time for our students, and so I didn't want them to have to worry about two weeks of no pay. I wanted to make sure that if they give their time, that I do what's best, and so it's expensive. Uh, I got my bill yesterday, $10,000 to fly, but we're going to do what it takes to make sure that our students get there. Is 15 students going, is is that a pretty average number, or has it fluctuated in the we past? We normally do larger. There's usually more than 30 on a bus tour. But with flying and being in D.C., I wanted to not only make sure that we were safe, but we had a good number of students who could really handle being in a different environment and be more disciplined. And our juniors and seniors, most often, 9 out of 10 of them, have been in our program for the last 4 or 5 years. And so they know what's expected of them and how to behave and so it's just easier to deal with students when they're much more mature than taking a eighth or ninth grader for a week long to D.C. So that's why I capped it off at 15 this time. Well, you have some students on this trip who have never flown anywhere, never yes. you know, gone outside of Amarillo <laughs> or Texas or something like yes, that. Yes, I have quite a few keeps in. They're scared. They don't know what they're going to do. So I told them just to take some Benadryl that morning, and then when they get on the plane, they can just sleep till we get there. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you had some students that you were – you know, pushing toward maybe a military option or toward a two-year technical degree or yes. something like that. Talk to me about making that shift. And and there, there have been a lot of conversations about this, that you push and push and push college, a four-year college, but that's not always the best choice for a certain yes. student. But there are post-secondary options that maybe are more appropriate and are just as beneficial um, as going to college for four years. So talk to me about sort of making that shift um, and, and thinking about things. Uh, it's really easier for us to make that shift because of our Emerge Mentoring Program. When they're in the 11th grade, they have a one-on-one -on -one mentor professional that walks them through the first two years of college. 
And so in that, we don't just meet at a school or you come to an outing. Our mentors are one-on-one to that. They attend student events. The students are able to spend time with that mentor and their family and their home. And so they see the whole dynamic of a professional family and what it takes to get where you're going. And so in that, you spend a lot of time. My mentors know them. My team members know them. And so we know students when they're saying, okay, you know what? I really don't care about college. Four years is too much time. I can't do it. We have students that say, hey, I can just go to welding. That's all I want to do. I just want to make some quick, easy money. Then that's fine. And so by spending so much time that we do with our students, not just at college prep, but outside and in our everyday lives, we know what the students are capable of. We know where the students struggle and we know because the students are so honest what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so when that takes place, then we're able to say, you know what, you don't want to go to college. We know that. But you need something to be successful. So that's where we pull out the vocational list and say, hey, these are these are salaries. These are some things. These are some things you want to do. Now, tell me what you like to do and really work with them to make a fit for them. I had a student that he kept saying he wanted to go to tech. And then he thought about it and thought about it. And matter of fact, yesterday I gave him a ride home and he said, you know what? I'm going to Amarillo College. And I said, what changed? And he said, I thought about it. My mom doesn't have the money to pay for college. I can go to Amarillo College. I can get my education. Grants pay for it. I don't have to pay out of pocket. Do two years, stay at home for free. I've got a bed and a TV at home and it's free. And I said, so what do you do at Amarillo College? He said, I'll go to WT and then I get a four-year college degree and pay less than $20,000. And so just being sensible. We teach mm-hmm. our kids, if your parents can't pay three, 4000 in one day at a school to cover what Pell Grants and grants and loans don't take care of, then really rethink what you're doing with your life and what's going to benefit you and what you really want to do. And so that really made an eye-opener for me to, hey, the kids are really listening. They're really thinking about their future and what it's going to cost. And so we really push that what's the best fit for you? Not what's the best fit for America and what America wants, but what's the best fit for you? Because if I get them to college and they flunk out or they decide not to go to class because four years is too much, then we've wasted our time. You've invested a lot yes. in that. And and then they failed. And their failure equals my failure. And so we really look at, hey, if you can't make it two years, here's a whole list of certificates that you can receive that can help you get a job that you can take care of yourself and your family. There's a lot of discussions in Amarillo about the low unemployment rate, that yes. because there are so many people that, that have jobs, so few people yes. out on the market that a lot of companies don't come in. There's, we don't have the skilled workforce because everybody's employed somewhere. And so being able to get that vocational degree can result in just as good of a career as maybe you know your, your four-year teaching degree or education or something like yes. that. There's a lot of value in teaching somebody to be a welder or to be an electrician or or whatever they might choose. Very so. Sometimes I think, okay, maybe if I went the medical field, I'd be making a whole lot more more money than I am now. But I knew that where I am now is where God would have me. But just to think about the, the vocational opportunities that our students miss out on because we're so focused on just a four-year college degree instead of what's a good fit for you? What's going to equal success in your life? So it has to be an individualized plan for each student. It can't be an overall goal of what I want, but an overall goal of what is best for each student in their situations. Content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, branding, web and mobile design, all of these things If you have a small business, or even if you have a large business, all of these things are terms you hear all the time, and probably in the context of things you need to be doing. But if you're like most business owners, you just don't have the time or the manpower or the expertise to do these things, to focus on them. 
but marketing is crucial in today's business climate. It can be overwhelming, though, if you don't know much about it. That's why you should join forces with ROI Online. ROI believes your marketing should make you money. Their team of experts will partner with you to shape your company's marketing and culture. But ROI Online is more than just a marketing agency. Think of them as your business development partner. They help tell your story so you can connect with customers and get ahead of your competition. So become a partner, create a plan, grow your business with them. To learn more about how ROI Online can position your business for the future, visit ROIOnline.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. ROI Online, leading the modern marketing movement. Okay, I'm back with Lenitra Berenger of the College Success Initiative. Lenitra, this is a part of the show that I call Eight Straight. Um, I'm going to ask you eight straight questions. Your job as my guest is to answer those questions, hopefully with you know whatever degree of honesty you would you would like to bring to it. Don't lie to me on the podcast. Oh, I won't lie. Okay, about it, trust I, me. I, I I don't have any doubt about that. Um, so I, I want to start with something related to CSI. What college has resonated most with students in the program? You've been to so many places. Do you get a sense which one really hit them? It, it's really funny. Our students really love to see different colleges. I think, but when they come back to reality of cost-wise and family-wise, that the majority of them registered Amarillo College. Uh, they say they like because we went to the University of Texas at Arlington. Uh, the team thought the students would love the college. We got back on the bus, and they were like, oh, no, this is too big, too much. We don't want to do this. And so uh, the majority of our students love Amarillo College. They love to be home. They love the low cost, and they love just to stay in that family environment. How do you describe Amarillo to people who don't live here? I mean, I, I get a sense that you, you probably have to make arrangements with the colleges when you're going to be on you know, the tour and, and you're talking to representatives. When you talk about Amarillo, what do you tell them? I always tell them we come from a small home, hometown feeling, and that we're from Amarillo, Texas. They always say, where's Amarillo? And I, I kind of have to explain dry, no trees, but great people. And so I just let them know that we're in a small community where education is the main focus in our area, and we're wanting to get our students on their campus. And so I've never had a problem with any school who hasn't been inviting and welcoming our students to their campus. Have you found that this idea, you know, whether it was several years ago when it was just a bus tour, um, but is this an idea that sort of surprises some of the campus representatives? Is that something that other places are doing? Uh, a lot of different places do it. I think the idea of when they see us bring our students and the students are talking about, okay, they stayed at the hotel last night. It kind of surprises them that we, we take our students to the embassy suite. It surprises them when we can stop at their little Starbucks and the students can pick pretty much whatever they want to drink or eat. Or if you have a restaurant, I say, okay, we'll pick two and you just get in which line and we pay for it. And so I think that really surprises them that we come and we, we have a budget, but it's not really a limited. I don't ever want to limit our students to go sit at McDonald's and grab a burger. I really want them to experience the college life and eat on campus. And so it really surprises them, I guess, really with, okay, these students are here, but they're able to do a lot more on campus than than just most normal visit the college. It's not like a discount back. tour or something oh, like that. not at all. Not at all. Okay, what is your all-time favorite local restaurant? I probably eat out daily, and I always find the local spots. Uh, my favorite is OHMS. I love their desserts. I can go in there every day of the week, and she has something different. I shouldn't go every day, but I do, and she has something different, and so I really love OHMS. also love Public House. They have the best brunch to me. I love their blueberry pancakes, and so I can go every Saturday and Sunday 
and have blueberry pancakes at the public house. Never had brunch at public house before. You've got to try it. They have great mimosas as well. Okay. What does this area have too much of? Amarillo has too many restaurants. When I'm able to not cook seven days You a just week. said that you <laughs> ate out every day I of do. the week. We have so many restaurants that you never have to eat the same thing every day. And so that's great in a way, but with Amarillo being so small, I think we do have a lot of restaurants. What does the area not have enough of? That's one thing that I've seen grown over the past six months is Amarillo having more entertainment. I would say entertainment, but we do have more entertainment. I think it'll be great when we get more family-oriented entertainment within Amarillo. So tell me what you mean by entertainment. What does that include? I miss years ago when we had the Paramount Caboose. A lot of people don't remember Paramount Caboose. That was a great time. You could go with family and just hang out, have something to eat, and play the games. Even Like as an arcade a, sort yes, of setting. even as an adult, we love to go to the arcade and just play and hang out with our friends. And so just that setting. What is, I haven't asked this question in a while, but uh, I, I like it. What is the most overrated thing to do in Amarillo? Most overrated. Kind of funny because I like to eat out every day, but eating. I think anytime I ask a friend, hey, what do you want to do today? Everyone said, let's go eat. So I think we've, we've gotten so many restaurants that have come to Amarillo and it's grown so that everyone just, I think that's what we spend our pastimes with in Amarillo is just eating. What's the most underrated thing to do? Underrated is to, I think, just to rest. I think there's so much going on within Amarillo and you can get so busy with a restaurant or entertainment or come downtown and visit many of the different things going on or what organization has an event this weekend. But sometimes just to just sit back and rest and be able to stay home and just say, hey, this is just a chill day. Other than uh, your own nonprofits, I-, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite local organization? Do you have one that, that you really appreciate or enjoy? <laughs> I-, I can't say a favorite because there would be probably about five people that would kill me. Because uh, in the nonprofit world in Amarillo, you become good friends. Everybody works together. Yes, you work together, you become good friends. I'm really privy to SnapPat because our kids love it. I love it. I love Dyron. I love Ashley York. They do a great job over there. And so uh, the ones that deal with youth, Colorful Closets, Healy and Lindsay, I love those two ladies to death. And then I love Evelyn Rivers. Uh, she's awesome. We had lunch together yesterday. That Sunshine Cottage, just to be in that environment, if anyone's not been over there, to just sit uh, on the lawn, to sit on the concrete, on the porch, and just to be in that serene environment that she's created for these single mothers is awesome. Okay, and that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to end each episode by asking my guests to endorse something related to the community. Uh, so, Lenitra, what's something that you just you think is cool, you think other people should experience? Something other people should experience. Uh, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I really think that there needs to be more unity within the Emerald community. Uh, I live on the north side. I see that uh, we're lacking economic development. Uh, there's a big push. It's scary when when your kids don't have a lot of friends in their neighborhood to play with because of lack of economic development. And so I think that's my thing. If if we would look at we're building up downtown, Mm -hmm. but you have a great North Amarillo less than five minutes away that homes could be built on, not always low-income homes, but middle-class family homes. Businesses and restaurants could come in. There could be a Walmart down the street. So I think just unity within the community to realize that North Amarillo does exist and that North Amarillo could be up could be built up to be as great as it was years ago, and it could really be a great asset to the downtown area. One of the things that that I have always thought of since I interviewed Pastor Harris, um, talked about how Amarillo, when he first came here, he was surprised how geographically 
divided the city was, that you had most of the people of color living in North Amarillo or living in East Amarillo. You had most of the the white people living, you know, in Southwest Amarillo, that it, it was, nobody was, the, the communities weren't intermingled. Is that something you still kind of see or is that getting better? I mean, do you have a sense of that? In my sense, I believe it's a, it's a lot better than what it was. The majority of my team members live on the South side of town. There may be out of 25, only three of us that live on the North side. And so it's a lot more intermingled. But I think as far as economic development, that's mm-hmm. where it hurts. Because when you kind of forget, it's become the lost side of town. And that's something that I think people don't realize. Uh, individuals are building bu- businesses in the area. Delvin's Restaurant is right there. North Heights Discounting Cafe has just opened recently. And they're not only just building and doing things to build up the community, but they're giving back on a daily basis within the community. And so those are things that I'm looking forward to come back to North Amarillo Let's revitalize it. Let's bring some back some community and economic development in this area. Because when you revitalize something five minutes away from downtown, then you revitalize the whole city. And the North Heights area has a really interesting history. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, great stories that I've heard out of there. Um, you know, why, why do you think that it has gotten to a place where it, it needs this, this push forward? I think it's just been forgotten as a whole. I think when individuals move out of the neighborhood, it's fine to live wherever you want in Amarillo. I truly believe that. But I truly believe that you always invest back where you come from. And so if I decided in six months that I'm moving out towards Sunsea, then my heart is where I I grew up at is North Amarillo, then I should always invest, whether it be with my time or whether it be with my money. You can always go back and invest and purchase land or homes revitalize and sell those or rent those and rebuild the community. So I just think it, it needs to be a way to rethink what are we doing. Like investment doesn't always mean you have to, to live in North Amarillo, but that you can give your time and your finances for North Amarillo. Benita Berenger, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you very much. And that concludes this episode of Hey Amarillo. I want to say thanks to ROI Online for sponsoring the show. Uh, thanks to Lenitra Berenger for being my guest today. If you want to learn more about the College Success Initiative, uh, look them up on Facebook, or you can go to collegesuccessama.org. Uh, while you're there, click on the little tab that says Ways to Help. You heard her talk about the 10 for 20 campaign. They're trying to raise $10,000 by May 1st in order to receive a matching grant for this year's trip to Washington, D.C. So help send some of these students to D.C. this summer. Thank you for listening. If uh, if you want to learn more about the podcast, go to heyamarillo.com. Follow us at heyamarillo on Twitter, uh, on Instagram at heyamarillopodcast. Uh, that's new. And uh, leave a review. Tell other people about it. Uh, help us spread the word about this podcast focusing on Amarillo people. My name is Jason Boyette. I'll see you next week. <laughs>